There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Pan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Amy Nimak, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing the New Year's resolutions that you can easily accomplish with gusto, helping you create a happy, confident, and positive life in 2017. Good morning, Amy. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, and Happy New Year, and how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Johnny. Uh, thank you for having me back. Happy New Year to you. I know that you know that I suffered a loss right at the beginning of the year. My mother died on January 3rd, so I'm crawling back out of my hole now, and I'm very happy to be on air with you, one of my good pals. Thank you so much. I'm really sorry again about your loss. Maybe this would be a good idea for you to kick off the new year with a new perspective about the things that you can remember about, as well as planning for the future. So I'm very excited to have you on the air with me. As you know, Amy, every new year, every January, most of us will list our New Year's resolutions. Some resolutions are lofty and ambitious, whereas some are quite lame, so to speak. Only a small percentage of us actually accomplish them. And this is probably because the fact that these are more like dreams than goals. And so I'm really excited to have you talk to us about the things that we can do to ditch these pretty much pie-in-the-sky promises for better, simpler, easy-to-implement resolutions. Yeah, I know. Every year, most of us make the same resolutions, right? And then every year, we <laughs> fail to implement them, and then we make the same resolutions the next year. And so, through my book, Simply Happy, I'm proposing that we adopt different kinds of New Year's resolutions, ones that we can actually accomplish that really are more important than the typical ones like losing weight. Mm-hmm. So true. Why is New Year's resolutions so important? I think I think actually it's great that we have this mm-hmm. time of year. And I think there's a secondary time of year, which is the beginning of the new school year, because so many people mm-hmm. use Labor mm-hmm. Day as another kind of New Year's for them, because the mm-hmm. kids are going mm-hmm. back to school or they're going back to school. Um, but whether you use Labor Day, whether you use New Year's, it's nice to have that perspective, to think, oh, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. This is my chance to make a new beginning or at least a new ending. And so I think it's great that we all think that we have the ability to draw that line in the sand and say, okay, stepping over that line, and I'm going to do the following three things differently in the new year. And even if we can't accomplish all of them, just the fact that we know we have that option, that we can make 
a fresh start. That's good. That's very healthy. It's true, though, because I kind of like to have sometimes when I get involved with a project or uh, a thought process, and then it went on and on and on, my enthusiasm gets diluted over the months, and then before you know it, it, the year is up. And I think this gives us an opportunity to sort of start a clean slate. And I like the idea, the fact that this is quite interesting. I know that it's almost the end of January when we are talking about this. New Year's resolutions are not necessarily need to be done the first of the year. <laughs> yeah, they're really a January and February thing because by now, yeah. whatever New Year's resolutions you had, you're thinking, well, that didn't really work. And now it's time <laughs> to actually think about a New Year's resolution that you can actually implement easily that will work and that will make a difference because there are so many things that you can do Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. life-changing that you haven't even thought of as resolutions. So you can put aside the exercising five times a week, even though I agree that would be lovely. You could put aside (laughs) the losing 10 pounds. You could put aside all of those things. (laughs) Today you and I will talk about your next round of New Year's resolutions, your late January round of New Year's resolutions, where we talk about something you can actually achieve. Right, right. Things that you can modify a little bit based on attitude in some ways, and that's what I'm excited about. But let us talk about factors that contribute to making good New Year's resolutions. What are they? So, first of all, you really should come up with a New Year's resolution that you can actually achieve because there's no mm-hmm. point coming up with something impossible. You know, like don't say I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Say I'm going to yeah. lose five pounds this winter, you know, or whatever it is. The other thing I think that really helps us achieve New Year's resolutions is sharing them with, with other people. It's accountability. Mm-hmm. So go mm-hmm. and tell somebody what you've decided to do and then report back to them regularly or have a buddy. Maybe you make the same resolution and then you check in with each other. We get so many chicken soup for the soul stories where people came up with some new way of acting and then decided to do it with a friend or a relative. And that Mm -hmm. really helps a lot because it's really lonely trying to do it by yourself. You do need a buddy to really Share your angst, share the ups and downs on your way to try to achieve your resolution. You're right about that, though, because the buddy system works, and you need a cheerleader on your side anyway. And then, of course, it's not a one-way street either, because if you find people who are like-minded, then you cheer each other up to achieve the goal. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've done that for losing weight in the past. I was a buddy with my daughter at one point. I've been a buddy with other people. And um, I had a resolution that I made last year to try to do something really scary, and I actually wrote about it in my Simply Happy book because mm-hmm. that was the maximum in accountability. That forced me to go ahead and do the <laughs> scary thing when the time came. I know we'll discuss that later. Uh, but anyway, I think it's important. And I have in the past achieved some of my New Year's resolutions, but um, – mm-hmm. I have never achieved all of them, and I would say, in general, I achieve maybe 10% of them. Mm-hmm. But now I'm mm-hmm. trying to be more realistic, because writing my Simply Happy book forced me yeah. to really review my whole life, review what works and what doesn't work for me and for the tens of thousands of Chicken Soup for the Soul writers whose stories I've read. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, I actually 
didn't make any New Year's resolutions this year, come to think about it, because I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to really live by what I wrote in my book. So my book is like all of my resolutions, all of the things I want to, to do and be all in one volume. Sure, sure. That's interesting, though. I think you have actually evolved in the sense of knowing you over the years. Let me put this way in a very, I guess, there's no right or wrong way of putting this. I'm going to try my best to put it in a very interesting way. You have reached to the level of sort of personal evolution to whereby your New Year's resolution is actually evolving throughout the year because you are able to say, I want to do this. You set out this many goals, and this is interesting because it sort of parlays into the things that you talk about. For lack of a better term, we're biting our food in small pieces, and these are simple things that you can do, and you achieve so much, and it sort of trickles into all the other things. And before you know it, the big and difficult goals that you set forth, it's not as challenging as you think it is because you have set all the other goals as a layup system to achieve those goals, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, I believe over the years you have done that superlatively. Well, I try to just live by all of these lessons that I've learned at Chicken Mm -hmm. Soup for the Soul, and they're all in the Simply Happy book. And I, I, I actually keep saying to myself, follow your own advice, and then my husband will say to me, (laughs) Follow the advice that you wrote in your own book. So now I would say that if I just do everything I have in my Simply Happy book, I will have a very wonderful life. And so I just keep trying to (laughs) follow these rules. And I'm basically following them now. I mean, I'm I'm doing pretty well by Mm -hmm. following these rules. I wish that I had known about some of these, you know, a couple of decades ago. But at least I figured it all out now, wrote it down for other people and hopefully it will help a lot of other people. I'm getting so much fan mail from people who say they keep this book like on their night tables and they're mm-hmm, making mm-hmm. notes and rereading chapters and trying to live their lives according to these lessons that I gleaned really from all of the people out there. It's not like sure. I came up with these on my own. I'm so lucky I get to read tens of thousands of revealing stories written by other people and then I get to learn from all these other people. So I'm really just like the person who's synthesizing the advice and wisdom from tens of thousands of people and turning it into one usable set of of lessons. Fantastic. Folks, what she's saying is basically y'all need to read thousands of chicken soup books and then you'll be just fine. thousands of books that you've read, Chicken Soup Stories, that really influenced you. And you had that wonderful book, which I love very much, by the way, Simply Happy. And it epitomized who you are, your attitude, your style, the way you live your life. So that's very exciting. So let's talk about that. Well, I think what I learned from reading all these stories is, first of all, I gained a lot of perspective. Because when you read Mm -hmm. all these stories from people who have had really you know, difficult challenges and they've overcome them and they've maintained a positive attitude. 
it really puts your own life in perspective and it makes you realize how lucky you are. And so mm-hmm. I think from reading tens of thousands of other people's stories, I am way more grateful for what I have and for the people in my life. I'm way more grounded. Um, I, I think I'm way healthier emotionally Mm-hmm. Uh, more willing to express my feelings because I've learned from the lessons of all these people uh, the importance of expressing your feelings and telling people that you appreciate them. And I've also come to realize how much strength we all have inside us, this incredible reservoir of strength that we all have in case we need it because I get so many stories from people saying, I never thought I could live through what I just lived through. Mm -hmm. I never knew I had that inside me, that fortitude, but I did. And I think everybody's surprised at what they're actually able to live through and what challenges they're able to overcome. And so I think in general, reading all of these stories has made me really appreciate people Mm -hmm. and how strong they are, how good they are. And it's also taught me that we all have within us already all of the tools that we need to have a better life. You don't Mm -hmm. have to go and take seminars. You don't have to go and fill out workbooks for a year. You don't have to go and pay people to tell you stuff about yourself. You just have to look inside yourself to discover how you really have all the tools. You can be the mechanic for fixing your life. You can Mm -hmm. do it yourself. And so I like that because, you know, everybody talks about self-help, but the self-help industry is all about people paying a lot of money and spending a lot of time doing a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, people will go and see a motivational speaker and they'll be like, I love so-and-so. I've seen him talk 10 times and I'm thinking, well, then did it work? You know? Mm -hmm. Right, right. So what I I think that we all have within us what we need, and it truly is self-help. It's, mm-hmm. You can help yourself. You can really do it yourself with the tools that are already inside you. We're all way more capable than we give ourselves credit for. So true. Not only that, though, I think you're right to a certain extent that the answers are within us. However, sometimes we do need the inner strength, and that's where courage comes into focus, and perhaps even how we deal with ourselves inside out first, and your book addresses that. So let's talk about that in terms of the foundation to achieve your goals, things that you need, for example, forgiveness, the courage we talked about just now, and the power of gratitude in some ways. Well, forgiveness, I feel, is one of those things that you have to use in order to be happy. And so Mm -hmm. um, in my book, I talked about it late in the book because I was like, all right, now that you've done all these other things here's kind of an umbrella resolution you have to make because if you can't let go of resentments you're going to carry them around with you and they're going to hang over you and stop you from being happy I just don't think that you can be happy if you're carrying around resentment and bitterness Mm -hmm. I kind of view lack of forgiveness as a a cloak, a big, Mm -hmm. heavy cloak that you're wearing, and it's weighing you down. It's this, you know, 30-pound garment that's hanging over your shoulders and hanging behind you, and 
you cannot really move forward and feel light and free if you're carrying around bitterness towards certain people, um, resentment over things that have happened. And so often those wrongs that were done to you were done by someone who really wasn't doing them to you personally but was just reacting to something in their own lives. You know, I say most of the bad behavior that we're subjected to by other people is not really for us specifically. You know, if somebody snaps at you in a store and is mean to you, well, they don't know you. They're not really doing it to you. They're doing it because they just had a bad day. Something bad happened to them at home before they came to work or the customer before you was snippy with them. But they're not really doing it to you. And almost all the bad things that happen to us are not really being done to us. And the people who treat us poorly, they're often angry at somebody else altogether, and they just take it out on us. So if you can somehow excuse those people or say, I'm not going to let that person's bad behavior affect me because then I'm just giving that person power, and you can shrug off that really, really heavy cloak that you're wearing and let it fall to the ground behind you, then you can move forward free. And so that's why I think that forgiveness is one of those umbrella resolutions that you have to make in order to be happy. You, I don't see how anybody could be happy if they're carrying around resentment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. So true. What are the things that we can do and what are the goals that you think that's very easy to kind of sort of set us up for success? All right. So here's here's one that seems totally obvious and hokey, but I started the Simply Happy book with this one because it works. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though it's hokey and simple, all these people have said to me, oh, I read that and I started doing it immediately. (laughs) Okay, so here it is. I apologize for it being so obvious, but sometimes we have to hear the obvious, and that is smile. Now, I'm Mm -hmm. smiling right now, and I bet you can hear it in my voice. That's correct. And I just walk around smiling at people all the time. And even if I'm having a bad day, I smile at people because it's like you create your own bubble of Mm -hmm. a better environment Mm -hmm. around you. Because if you smile, it's really hard for somebody not to smile back at you. Mm -hmm. And then it changes. You created this little bubble of happiness between you and that person and it changes how they react to you. And then, If you smile at someone and then that person reacts to you in a more positive manner, well, now your smile becomes genuine because all of a sudden you are having a better day and that person might turn and smile at the next person. And it really, really works. It's like like a boomerang. You throw a smile out there and then just like a boomerang, it comes right back at you. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I used a smile in New York a few weeks ago And this is just an example of how a smile is like your superpower. So I was on 6th Avenue in this car. I had luggage in the trunk, and I I needed to turn onto 46th Street to go to my hotel. Um, But the road was blocked. There had been a little accident. But it really didn't need to be completely blocked. The accident was in two lanes, and they could have easily let people go by in this third lane. But the police blocked it all off because that's what they do in New York. You know, they don't care about inconveniencing us. And so my driver was all upset, and every car in front of us was being told by the police, just keep going up 6th Avenue, you know, just deal with it. 
And so I said to the driver, just let me talk to the police officer. And so we pulled up, and I gave him a big smile. And I said, I could get out, and I could wheel my suitcases down the sidewalk, but is there any chance you could let us through? Because it really looks like we could get through. And I just need to go half a block down to my hotel. And he said, you have such a beautiful smile that I'm going to let you through. And then he moved the cones for us. He actually stopped Uh traffic on 6th Avenue, stopped the whole street so that we could back up a little to then turn right onto 46th Street. And this was all because I smiled at him, and my driver couldn't believe it. Um, But it just, it works. You plaster a smile on your face, and you, you will see how it changes the way the world treats you. And so that's something that everybody can implement right this second. And it seems so easy that it almost shouldn't be a New Year's resolution, but it's a great New Year's resolution because it really will change how everybody reacts to you. It will change your life because you will start being happier because people will be nicer to you. What I got out of it is that next time I am in New York, I need to call you to join me so I can get out around better. All right, Amy, smile so we can get out of here. <laughs> I agree with you. I think. I now I have a great line because I did a line last year. You're right. Smile is a very powerful, powerful tool. And sometimes we don't realize that because we're not in the moment. And a smile is actually, this is quite interesting, though, based on what you're saying, is that it is your armor that you wear, regardless of how you feel, because when you smile, you emanate that beautiful, positive energy that's contagious. It is contagious. It really is. And if if people are being grumpy, I smile at them. And then another thing that I do, and we talked about this already, but I really do uh-huh. suggest this as another New Year's resolution, is don't take it personally. So if somebody is being grumpy and you throw your smile out at them and it's one of those rare cases where that doesn't work still <laughs> take it personally because that person is not really focusing on you it's not about you and so another thing that i do is if somebody is being difficult whether it's somebody mm-hmm. in my family somebody at work some stranger you know out on the street somebody at a store and they're being grumpy or difficult I just remind myself it's not about me because um, it, it isn't. And it's really narcissistic to think that people are being difficult with you because of anything having to do with you. And I, I think I'm not narcissistic at all. I really don't think that anybody's doing anything because of me. I am not important to them. And so when you realize you're not important to them and their bad behavior is not really directed <laughs> specifically at you, you can just Mm -hmm. distance yourself emotionally from it and not let it bother you. And so I talked about forgiveness and how I visualized that, like that heavy cloak that's carrying Mm -hmm. all that resentment, and I just shrug my shoulders and that cloak falls behind me and I walk forward free. Well, here's another visualization. I visualize myself wearing armor Mm -hmm. against those difficult people, and it's like the armor of indifference. I know that it's not really about me. They're not really thinking about me, and I don't really have to think about them. I don't Mm -hmm. have to make that difficult person really part of my life, part of my experience. So I wear the armor of indifference. 
So when they shoot those little arrows of grumpiness or nastiness at me, those arrows just hit my armor, bounce off, and fall to the ground. So again, I am free. I'm clear of those things. I am not letting difficult people invade me personally. I'm stopping them before they can affect me. And so I I have a great example of that that happened years ago, but it's still it's still so vivid. I was I helped this brokerage firm take a company public because I used to be on Wall Street and mm-hmm. this stock did well and then it stopped it started to not do well and this guy at this brokerage firm started screaming at me one day in a conference room. And I was there, you know, 5 foot 3. I was in my early 30s, little blonde lady from the suburbs and this guy, this big guy is screaming at me in this room filled with big men. And I'm, I was thinking while he was screaming at me, I was actually thinking he was a loser. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. I can't believe you're screaming at me in front of all these men. Like, what kind of guy does that? You know, and I also knew he wasn't really screaming at me. He was just frustrated because his brokerage right. firm had lost money in the stock. But that wasn't my fault. That was his fault. And so he was screaming at me to vent, and I just stood there wearing my armor, letting his arrows hit me and bounce to the ground, and I didn't get mad because that would be a waste of time, and I didn't let him affect me. So I I really think it's important to remember not to take things personally because there's a quote that I love that is this, for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. So don't let those difficult people invade your brain. Keep them out because they they don't belong inside your head and they're not really angry at you anyway. That's true, though. It's very difficult sometimes because we are reactionary and we would obviously take it from the standpoint, what's wrong with me? And in the end, it is not about you. It is about them. Exactly. And so, um, so yeah, so smile at people. If somebody's difficult, don't take it personally. Uh, these are great ways of just creating kind of this bubble, this environment mm-hmm. of happiness and serenity around you as you move through life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's somebody mm-hmm. who, who um, is not being nice to you and is a perpetual problem and right. you got to deal with that you got to get some of those people out of your life and that's something i did not learn until i started working at chicken soup for the soul uh-huh and let's talk about that because that's what i was alluding to how do you deal with people like that so i don't know how i missed this in my whole life it was not until <laughs> I was in my early 50s that i discovered what a frenemy was and I think, I think, I don't know. I must have like missed some Lindsay Lohan movie or something. Because you're supposed to know what a friend of me is, especially if you're female. It's that friend who really isn't your friend, but is really more like talking about you behind your back or jealous yeah, of yeah. you or kind of needling you all the time. Um, not really adding any value to your life. Like if there's a person in your life and you're saying, oh, I got to call so-and-so, I got to go see so-and-so, I really don't like spending time with her, but I have to because she's my <laughs> friend. Well, why do you have to? And it took me a long time to realize that you actually have permission to remove 
people from your life who shouldn't be in your life anymore. There were there was a great story that I read many years ago by Georgia Schaefer. Mm-hmm. So she had breast cancer and her friends were taking turns driving her to chemo. And one day one of her friends was driving her to chemo but spent the entire drive telling Georgia one really painful story after another about people she knew who had cancer. And Georgia says it was the first time she ever got sick after a chemo treatment. And she really blamed it on her friend and all this negative energy. And then she realized that her friend wasn't really a friend because what friend would do that? What friend would be so negative and such a downer? And Georgia had this epiphany and I guess cancer really does help people to become clear-headed. I know so mm-hmm. many people have mm-hmm. had epiphanies because of cancer because it makes them really focus on what's important and what isn't. And they, I don't know, they just see life with such clarity. And so she says this. She says, I had never realized that just like the weeds in a garden rob the flowers of vital moisture, nutrients, and sunlight, so too the weeds in my life were robbing mm-hmm. me of vital energy and she got rid of that so-called friend. It's a shame that has to happen, but sometimes you're right because it's like a battery having a slow leak. It continually discharges and kind of suck up all your energy. You're totally right. That's a great way of looking at it. And you have this battery and it's only charged so much. And then if you are touching the wrong thing out Mm -hmm. there and it starts to discharge your battery, then you lose some of that energy that you really needed for the good parts of your life. And so it's hard though. I, I don't, I don't really know the best ways to go about removing toxic people from your life. Like some people say, well, you should talk to them and discuss what's wrong with your relationship. Some people say, no, you should just quietly and discreetly drop them or just reduce the number of times you see them in the course of a year so it's not obvious you've (laughs) dropped them. I don't know the right way to do it. I just know that you should do it in whatever way is comfortable for you. I don't know, Johnny, have you ever done this? Have you ever removed a toxic person from your life? Uh, In a way, I guess it's yes, because this is my method of dealing with this at work. And this is quite interesting because I think it applies at work as well as in our personal life. I have always put it the other way around in the sense that being in a position of leadership, being, I guess, for lack of a better term, the boss or whatever you want to call it. So obviously people that encounter you like, oh my God, you know, like this guy, for lack of a better term, he upsets me, he pisses me off, he did this and so forth. And I have always, always tell people that come to me regardless of what you have in your mind because I want you to be able to tell me that, Johnny, what is your intention of doing this or saying this? There's always going to be two answers. One is, yes, I deliberately doing this to upset you. Or two, oh my gosh, I did not realize that. My intentions are good, but somehow it didn't quite come across the way I wanted it to come across. So it allows me to correct myself. So I use the same formula in personal relationships. I have encountered people that like you were talking about, like, for example, like they always say, this is an interesting one when you talk about spirituality. People would say, well, like what the Bible says, you bear the cross, you carry the cross. 
Well, gee, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> And so uh, the opportunity, if you are really close friends, you should be able to sit down and say, hey, let me kind of let you know what I got from you. And I know this is not you because I know your intentions are good, but let me let you hear how it sounds. If your intention is to really upset me with that thought, with that comment, then, well, you earn an A. <laughs> but if your intention is to cheer me up and to make me understand that, well, there are solutions out there and so forth and all that, well, that's not quite the way. And that gives that person an opportunity to sort of backtrack because sometimes the people don't have any idea that they did that. They are trying to cheer you up, but in the course of trying to cheer you up, they're actually depressing you. So that's my way of approaching that in my personal as well as my business life because I've always lived in the sense that with an attitude, people always set out to do things right. However, in the course of trying to do things right, they may not do the right thing. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Well, you're nicer than me because <laughs> once I learned this thing about getting rid of toxic people, I just started doing it. But yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. actually sit down and have the conversation. I just discreetly reduce the amount of time I spent right. with that person. And actually now I don't even have the opportunity to try your method of talking to them because I don't have a single toxic person <laughs> left in my life. I, wow. <laughs> I like all of my friends. I like all yeah. of the people I work with. I have uh-huh. nobody who I see regularly who I am not really happy to see. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent toxic person free now, which is great, and I really do attribute this to working at Chicken Soup for the Soul because it really taught yeah. me, hey, you only have limited time to right. spend right. that time with the people who you like. And when I walk into work every day, I know that I'm seeing people I like. It's it's really wonderful. Right now, having said that, you're right because there are people that you just need to. It's a lost cause. You know that. And that comes back to the concept where you know that person is envious, is always envious of everybody, and one of these days, that person is envious of you. And so that's a lost cause. Yeah, so there's nothing to salvage there. So I think in the end, on a one-to-one basis, on a situational basis, you can tell if someone is truly sincere in what they're trying to do, but then somehow got their foot in the mouth, so to speak. Or someone that's just intentionally like, say, voila, this is my time to even really pound it on some more. Those are the ones, yes, it's a lost cause. You're doing it right by just cutting off the relationship and move on. So we've talked about smiling. We've talked about not Mm -hmm. taking it personally. We've talked about removing toxic people from your life. Now, I think if you've done those now for your New Year's resolution Now you need to clean up your calendar so that you have time for all of the wonderful people who who you've kept in your life, (laughs) right? And so that's another one of my New Year's resolutions. And again, this is one that you can easily implement. So here's one that will actually happen for you, and that is to use the power of no this year to reclaim Mm -hmm. control of your calendar so that you can carve out time for those people who you love, who you've kept in your life. You know, and it's hard to say no, but if you just do it and you realize the world didn't end, you will feel empowered to say it over and over and to start 
keeping things off your calendar that you don't actually want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. I agree with that. But debt is really, really tough. I think I, of all people I know, it's so difficult for me to say no. I have gotten really good at it because when you just are so busy, you just, yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. it is? You get good at mm -hmm. it and you start having certain words you use that work to mm -hmm. say no. Mm -hmm. And you just, you just say to people, it's a fabulous idea. Um, but unfortunately I get a hundred fabulous offers every day and I yeah. can't accept 99 of them. And I'm so sorry yeah. because it is a wonderful idea, but I just can't do it. And mm -hmm. they seem to accept that. And mm -hmm. I think that most of us were nice and we, we want to say nice. We want to be nice. We want to say yes. It's like our default would be to say yes if somebody says, oh, can you come and work at this event as a volunteer? Or can you mm -hmm. drive me to the airport? Or can you come to this thing at my house? Or whatever it is, our first inclination is to say yes. And then we end up saying, yeah. oh, gosh, I can't believe I said yes. And so now when my husband and I get invitations, you know, I'll say to him, yeah. You know what's going to happen if we say yes to this. A week from it, we're going to regret so much that we said yes. We just have to say no <laughs> because we're just going to yeah. try to get out of it if we say yes. And it's it's actually yeah. more polite to just say no right. now. But we all have that attitude. We had a story from this woman who actually ended up having to go to a therapist because she was always saying yes to everything. And she was trying to be like the perfect wife, the perfect mm -hmm. mother, the perfect daughter, the perfect sister, the perfect friend, the perfect volunteer. And she was always saying, I should do this. I should do that. And she was becoming mentally unhealthy. And mm -hmm. this therapist said to her, why should you do it? And this woman, Sydney Logan said, well, because I should. And the therapist said, why? Why should you do something you don't want to do? And she forced Sydney to learn how to say no. And the first time she said no, it was really, really hard for her. And then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she realized that she could say no, and the person at the other end of the phone would just say, okay. And so she felt empowered, and she started saying no a lot. And it wasn't that she became any less busy. It's just that now she only right. had things on her calendar that actually were things she wanted to do. So let's say you're a volunteer. You can say, I'm only going to do my volunteering for this organization that really matters to me. I'm going to do 10 hours a week at this organization that really matters to me instead of doing two hours a week at five places that don't matter to me. You know, mm -hmm. you can be just as busy, but be but be more filled with passion and purpose for what you've actually chosen to put on your calendar. So true. Actually, since reading your book back in September, it has helped me quite a bit in terms of like protecting myself. And when I say protect here, it's like I need to put myself first in any situation. That would be the best way I can express it. And as such, not being selfish. However, I have X amount of time and I look at it in terms of like, how can I impact them best without necessarily being there or modify the yes to a sort of somewhat no and modify the no to somewhat yes, where this is what I can do and that's it. That's all I can do. And it turned out to be a win-win deal. Yeah, there are people out there who know how to say no. So when we do it, 
when yeah. we start doing it, it's not like we're the first people ever to say no. You know, there are other people who have learned how to do it. So you will not be the first person to say no to whoever you're <laughs> practicing saying no to. Like, they've heard it before. They've heard yeah, it before. So yeah. you might as well yeah. be one of the people who says no instead of the one of the people who says yes and then regrets it later. And mm-hmm. by cleaning up your calendar and making more time for what you actually want to do, you might yeah. even make time to do new things that you've never done before, which is right. another resolution that I highly recommend for 2017, which is step outside your comfort zone. Do something mm-hmm. new and different, or maybe do 10 things that are new and different this year. Make a list, say, I'm going to do 10 new things this year that I've never done before that I would say no to except that now I realize that if I keep saying no to things just because I've never done them before, all I'm going to do is create a life for myself that gets narrower and narrower, which I think is a risk. I think even very young people, we're all at risk of just getting in a rut and just saying no to things like, well, I haven't been there before, or I've never been to that movie theater. I don't know where to park, or I've never tried that kind of food, but I'm sure I won't like it, or... Mm-hmm. I've never gone zip lining because I think it's scary. <laughs> Whatever it is, try saying yes to a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. I think what happens when you say yes and you try new things that you were a little scared of, you you're, you're, you become proud of yourself and you feel more dynamic and more charged up. You feel younger, right? right? You feel stronger. It's actually a great thing to do to step outside your comfort zone and try new things. This week, go to a different grocery store where you don't know where mm-hmm. anything is and walk <laughs> around that grocery store you've never been in before and figure out where they keep things. See some new products right. you've never seen before. Go to a different CVS or a different Walgreens. Like Whatever it is, go and do something different. Don't go to the same one you've always been to. So true. And not only that, I think you mentioned something that's very interesting just now. For the younger generations, try something new because you are in the generations of you want to explore and learn new things because life is a journey. And so you don't want to sort of shortchange yourself from being able to learn. We are in so many ways global in all aspects of our life nowadays. You don't have to be halfway around the world to experience that. You don't necessarily have to buy something that's made overseas either, having said that. But you just, in terms of knowing your environment, and we are living in a global village. For adults, for people that are close to retirement and so forth, let the inner child come out and play. Now I just got an idea from you. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna do a pod. One, I do the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast uh-huh. five days a week. I think I'm gonna do one where I just have a list of suggestions for uh-huh. things that people can do, and it yeah. doesn't matter how old you are. You That's gotta right. keep doing new things. And so I um, I had made a resolution early in 2016, which was to go paragliding. Or mm-hmm. parasailing, whatever. It's parasailing. It's and parasailing. I've done that. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. So the reason I did it was because uh, we went to this resort in Oman in November yes. on vacation. And Oman is this 
beautiful country that's on the Persian Gulf. And I guess just going to Oman makes us like interesting people, right? Because most people <laughs> go to Oman on vacation, but we did. You fly into Dubai and then you drive to this part mm-hmm. of Oman. And they have these craggy sandstone mountains, and they just plummet right down to the beautiful waters of the Persian Gulf. So, yes, we went on a beach vacation to the Persian Gulf, which everybody thinks is just a place of warfare, but it's not. It was a beautiful (laughs) And this resort that we went to in Oman was so remote that to get there, you either take a speedboat there or you drive down this winding, scary mountain road that has Mm -hmm. no guardrails. Or you jump up a 1,000-foot cliff and you paraglide down to mm-hmm. the beach. Right. So I signed us up to paraglide down to the beach, and I put it in my Simply Happy book so I would be forced to do it because the book was coming out <laughs> in October. The vacation was in November. I knew I was going to have to do it because I said in the book I was going right. to do it, which is that thing I said before about accountability. Tell people about your resolution so you'll do it. So I I don't know what I was thinking. I somehow thought that paragliding was like fixed wings, like bird wings. Mm-hmm. But it and but it's not. It's just this piece of cloth that's lying on the ground with like strings coming out of it. It's a parachute. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I never wanted to do a parachute because I thought, well, what if the strings get all tangled up or something goes wrong? So there I yeah. am at the top of this cliff. And they they put the halter on me, and they're like, "Okay, the most important thing is you have to run off the cliff without stopping, or it won't work." Right. Oh, right. they put a hard hat on you, like that's going to help, right? The hard <laughs> hat, like if you plummet a thousand feet to your death, I don't. I guess the hard hat will just help them identify you, you know. But, but anyway, so I look behind me, and there's this piece of fabric lying on the ground with strings, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, I have to jump off this cliff. I have to run off this cliff." Because that's how uh-huh. you fill up the paras the parachute with air. Yeah. But I did it because I had said I was gonna do it. Um and then we like sailed around for fifteen minutes looking at mm-hmm. the beautiful mm-hmm. scenery and I clutched mm-hmm. I clutched like the handles on this thing and I was actually very glad when we finally landed on the beach fifteen minutes later. But it was really beautiful and fun. Um I don't think I'll ever do it again. But I'm really glad that I did it because this is the kind of thing that makes you feel like you're not getting stuck in a rut, makes you mm-hmm. feel more courageous, more proud of mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I stepped outside my comfort zone in a big way last year, <laughs> literally, by you know, running off a cliff and hoping for the best. <laughs> <laughs> the next New Year's resolution is probably for Bill and you to go out and learn ballroom dancing you know i actually would like to do that because i Uh I took ballroom dancing class when i was probably in like i don't know sixth grade seventh grade that's correct yes cotillion yes yeah yeah, all the little kids go and do that and it's awful (laughs) we're terrible at it but you know the girls are taller than the boys Uh Uh I, i did i did suggest to my husband in the last year or so that we should go take a ballroom dancing class. Um, uh-huh. But he, he's actually already really good at it. So the class would really oh, be for me, okay. not for yeah. him, because he's a great dancer. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, yes, I do want to do that. And I know it's great exercise as well. So that would be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah, wonderful. I should put that on my list. I should definitely That's put that correct. on my list. 
That's correct. You know, what got on my list is this. In reading the book Simply Happy, and we talked about this back in September, there was an author in the book that talks about, and she was actually a foreign author from France, if I'm not mistaken, in the France of Italy. She went to Lapland in Sweden, in Finland, where there is a village, Santa Claus village. I would oh, love I to do that, one that. of these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. she, I know. She lived in Greece, and she Greece, really that's wanted correct. to go to the Santa village, and she got her friend mm -hmm. to go with her, and she thought that it would be all families with young children, and she was just right. a middle-aged woman going with another middle-aged woman, and then she discovered it wasn't all families with children. Yeah, yeah. she went up to this place, and... Like you got there and they gave you, I think, the heavy winter clothing to wear. And then mm -hmm, they just mm -hmm. told you to walk outside in the snow and go and find Santa. And they just had to walk around to try to find Santa. And then they finally found Santa's house and went and had an audience with Santa, like having an audience mm -hmm. with the Pope or something. <laughs> right. They got to yeah. talk to Santa and see the reindeer. And it was a real adventure for her. That was very cool. And that's the kind of thing that um, really gets people outside their comfort zone. And I'm sure that that adventure then made her more adventurous about everything else, even for things like, you know, money and things like going to a different right. drugstore the next time you go shopping. Right, right. I love it. When I read that story, I thought that, gee, this is, again, releasing my inner child of wanting to go out there and play and have fun. And it's on my list. <laughs> Let me answer this. For people that need to reinvent themselves, what easy-to-implement resolutions do you recommend? So in addition to the ones we've talked about, I think there's another resolution that's kind of like forgiveness. It's one of those resolutions mm -hmm. where you can't really be happy without it. So we talked about forgiveness before, and we talked about all these ways that you can change how people react to you, like smiling, like Right. Um, not taking things personally, um, remove toxic people from your life, use the power of no to reclaim your calendar, step outside your comfort zone. But here's like an umbrella resolution that I think you can't live without, and that is to count your blessings and to use mm -hmm. the power of gratitude. Because I don't know how you can be happy if you are not grateful for what you have in your life, right? If you're dissatisfied so with true. your life, if you're always complaining and wanting more, then I don't think you have any shot at being happy. And that's one of the most important things that I learned from reading Chicken Soup for the Soul stories, tens of thousands of them now for the past nine years. I've learned to be incredibly grateful for what I have and, you know, scientific studies prove that if you actively practice gratitude and count the blessings in your life, it's scientifically proven that you will be happier and actually healthier, medically healthier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true. The two things that I want to highlight again, it's the power of forgiveness and the power of gratitude. These applies to yourself as well as the people that you encounter. Because if you don't forgive that person and you don't forgive yourself, and a lot of times this is the thing because we feel like, oh, okay, I don't want to forgive that person. I think that you have to look at about how do you go through the process of forgiveness because you have to release yourself of that burden like you mentioned about at the very beginning of the show. 
And then when you talk about gratitude, that's something is so important because regardless of what the circumstances may be, if you're breathing and you can talk about this, you should be happy. So if you, it's, sometimes it's hard to forgive somebody because, mm-hmm. you know, they did something that you believe right. is really awful. But if you remember it wasn't about you, and then you right. look through their actions toward their motivations, you can realize that they didn't do it to you specifically, even if you were the victim of it. And so you can put it aside. And then the other thing you can do is think to yourself, I am so grateful that I am not that person, that I do not have the issues that person has. And that can tie you right back to the power of gratitude where you need to think about no matter what's going on in your life, would you really want to be someone else? No. Don't you want to have the same people in your life that you have you know, aren't you grateful for the people you have in your life? Don't you have so many blessings? Aren't there so many silver linings no matter what is going on? And the cool thing about gratitude, and this is this is a really amazing thing, there's so many character traits that we're either born with or not born with, and if we're not born with them, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. But gratitude is one of those character traits that you can actually add on later So even if you are in the 50% of people who are not born naturally grateful, this is actually a skill that you can learn and it will become natural to you. It's really, really easy. And I've read probably a thousand stories from people who thought they were kind of ungrateful. They didn't really know how to count their blessings. And then they just started proactively doing it. So it could be as simple as writing down, Three things a day you're, grace, you're grateful for. You, you do it for right. one month. It right. has to be three different things each day. So it could be something minor like I picked the right line at the bank, or it could be something major like my husband really does, love, does watch out for me. You know, whatever it is, major or minor, you write down three different things every day for a month. Well, at the end of the month, you're going to have 90 things written down. And what happens is you start going through your day looking for things that you're going to write down, and it causes you to focus more on the good, not the bad, every day. People find that they actually change as people and become naturally grateful. Like in one month, you can change your perspective Mm -hmm. and you can present to the world as a more grateful person and truly be happier because you are looking for all the good instead of the bad in your daily life. So true. And that brings me to the thought of we set goals to be happy. That's what at least I presume, whether you set goals to lose weight, to fly off the cliff, like parasailing, like what Amy just did when she was in Oman. But in the end, regardless of the goal is to be happy, whatever you do, the result will contribute to your happiness. Yeah, so I think you don't make a New Year's resolution to be happy. You make a New Year's resolution to do some of these other things, and the end result is happiness. And what I what I love is that, like, if you look at my book, and there's, mm-hmm. there are two dozen different resolutions in there that you could make. Right. If you just pick one and you implement one, you will already be happier, more productive, more grounded, more filled with purpose more proud of yourself. You only need to implement one resolution 
to feel better about yourself and feel lighter and freer as you move through your day. And so that's the cool thing about this time of year, this New Year's resolution time of year. Just pick one thing to do. Pick something that you can actually achieve right now. Like most of these things are things you can do instantly, like using your smile, you know, your smile being a boomerang. You can start that right this second, and it will already change your day. By the end of the day, things will already be different. Instant resolutions you can achieve, and that's nice. Nice to be able to make a list and then check it off right away. So true. What would you like the readers to gain out of reading Simply Happy for 2017? I think that the most important thing they can gain is that it really is possible to be happier and that you can choose any tip you want to implement. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. nobody's telling you you have to go do such and such. I'm giving you so many possibilities, dozens of possibilities. Just pick whichever one you want and try that one. It's that flexible. And remember that you have all of the tools you need within yourself. And I think that's very empowering to realize that you are the mechanic for whatever repair job you want to make on your life or whatever tune-up you want to make Mm -hmm. for your life. And um, you asked where the book is available. It's at Walmart, Rite Aid drugstores, mm-hmm. uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, of course on Amazon and BN.com. Um, these books are available everywhere because Chicken Soup for the Soul is available everywhere, which makes me very happy. <laughs> Fantastic! And as you know, the signature part of the show is about recipes for living life. So. If you have a recipe other than the beautiful recipes and success that you want us to embrace, please share that with us. So I guess here's my ingredients that go into Mm -hmm. my recipe for living life. So my ingredients are to use your gratitude, to use your forgiveness, to step outside your comfort zone, to eliminate toxic people from your life, to clear your calendar, to make room for what really matters to you and the people who really matter to you. And finally, to remember that you have all of the power already inside you. You have so much more strength and fortitude and so much more ability than you might have given yourself credit for. And so you really are the architect of your own life and it really is all in your hands and in your power. Fantastic. Amy, thank you for the wonderful New Year's resolutions to kick off 2017 and for spending this hour with me on from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, thank you for being with us. Please join me next Tuesday morning, January 31st. We will continue with our New Year, New You series. My guest will be Dr. Tom O'Brien. He is an international speaker, workshop leader, and the founder of thedoctor.com. Dr. Tom and I will be discussing his work on complications of non-celiac gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. His new book, Autoimmune Fix, addresses how you can stop the hidden autoimmune damage that keeps you sick, fat, tired, before it turns into disease. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to 
fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Amy, as usual, it has been a true pleasure. May 2017 be an awesome year for you and everyone at Chicken Soup. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.